it, it's so simple that we can do this. And yet we have to ask ourselves, why are we not? We need to, to flip the system and the community. We want the community to come together. It's about the community saving lives. When you make that shift, that's how people, that's how organizations will become life-saving. But it requires the community to step in and help. Welcome to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. This week, I'm excited to share a dynamic interview with Suzanne Kogut, the president of Petco Love. Suzanne spent the early part of her career in corporate law before deciding to dedicate her life to animal rescue and welfare. She made such an impact as the executive director of an SPCA because she ran the shelter like a business. So there's a lot for everyone to learn here. I actually can't believe how much we fit into this conversation. We talk about Suzanne's career trajectory, the work she does with Petco Love, including lost pet programs and disaster relief efforts. Plus, we talk about the impact that fostering has on the rescue community. Suzanne told me that if one million people would foster, we could essentially end euthanasia due to overcrowding. That's just one million people across the entire country. That doesn't seem like a whole lot to me. That fact is so compelling that after recording, I actually told Suzanne that I would make it my goal to foster a dog before the end of the year. So you heard it here. I will be adding foster dog mom to my resume before the end of 2022. If that is a little bit too much for you to commit to, it's okay. Suzanne has another, even easier call to action for pet parents. Register your pet in the Petco Love Lost nationwide lost pet network so that if they ever do get lost one day, you'll be able to reunite with them more easily. Listen to this interview and then please take action. And I want to hear what you're inspired to do. Please share it on Instagram and tag me at wherewagrepeat. As president of Petco Love, a nonprofit changing lives, Suzanne Kogut leads a team dedicated to making communities and pet families closer, stronger, and healthier. In 2005, Suzanne took her decade of corporate law experience and her passion for animals and served as executive director of the Charlottesville Abelmarl SPCA, where she transformed the open admission SPCA into an award-winning, nationally recognized, life-saving model. Since joining Petco Love in 2013, Suzanne's thought leadership in the animal welfare field has helped raise the bar and set a new standard for animal sheltering. She champions foster care and supports organizations that are the most productive and effective at saving lives. She's also the vice chair of the board of trustees of the Human Animal Bond Research Institute and has been recognized by Pet Age as a woman of influence for her contributions to the pet industry. She's based in San Antonio and enjoys spending time with her pack of dogs and various foster pets. 
Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm really excited to talk to you. I feel like you're a really big deal, and uh, I can't wait to hear about everything that you're doing at Petco Love. I'm I'm the the luckiest person to have the opportunity to work at Petco Love and and help more and help save lives. So can't wait to share about the work that we're doing. Excellent, excellent. Um, well, before we get to that, why don't we take kind of a step backwards? I always like to hear how people got into the animal field because we all had such different journeys. Uh, and and you seem to have had a different journey working in corporate law and then becoming the director of an animal shelter, which is quite a jump. So <laughs> what what kind of inspired you to take that leap? Yeah, I have a crazy path of how I got into animal welfare, but um, I, had a, I loved being a corporate securities lawyer and then worked in banking, um, but I, I I got a dog and it was actually when that first dog passed away and I went to go get another dog that I realized how many pets were up for adoption and, and that search to get a new dog I ended up getting two. And then I became like the Virginia arm of the rescue group that I adopted my dogs from. Um, and then just really got involved and, and by getting involved became more aware of the animal welfare problem problems that were existing in the country. And in 2005, a lot of animals, I hate to say it, but a lot of animals were being unnecessarily euthanized. So I think it was just that general awareness. Um, shortly after that, I decided, hey, I've, I've done a lot in my life, but let, let's put that corporate and that legal experience to work to do something good and to save some pet lives. And I, I'm just so fortunate that that I was able to do that. Um, working and starting off in a shelter is craziest experience ever. And, you know, but really did change that organization that when I started was euthanizing like 53% of the cats and is still a fair amount of the dogs. And within a year, um, as the, as the one organization that took all the animals in the community, we were saving over 90%, which was the recognized life-saving rate. And we just kept going and saving more and more after that. So I'm happy to report that even after I left, they continue that success. And I think a lot of their work has really helped others see that you can do it. What do you think was, what was kind of the, the biggest change that you implemented that sparked those numbers to improve? Running the shelter like a business. And that's why I think it's great for people that are in business. If anyone's ever wanted to get into animal welfare. I think the best leaders in animal welfare are those that have come. There's a lot of women lawyers running shelters and they're very successful, but just that corporate experience of how to look at it differently um, and running a nonprofit like a business because we are in the business and it's the most important business. It's a business of saving lives. It's not a for-profit business, but you've got to do it and you've got to do it to the fullest because you have lives that are depending on you all around you in a building when you're running a shelter. So I think that's it. I did just putting them all together, whether it's marketing, finance, everything, PR, everything together, it's putting it to work to save lives. Yeah. Well, and, and especially in animal rescue, it seems like uh, you really need to make sure that every dollar is working really hard. Um, so you need to have a smart business head on your shoulders to do that. And running the animals. And if you have a limited capacity, running the animals through the organization to adoption as quickly as possible. So you're absolutely right. Right. Uh, and I know another topic that you're passionate about that I feel like kind of came into play there is fostering too. Yeah. Uh, so how, 
how is fostering? Cause I feel like, you know, we hear so much about, you know, adopt, don't shop, uh, is the big tagline. Um, but, but where does fostering come in? It kind of feels like it gets lost in the cracks a little bit. Yeah. It's a, I'm, I'm glad you brought that on even tying it to like, how was I successful? It was fostering and how we were successful because when you have a, when you're running a shelter, you have a building. I mean, if you really think about it, Think, and I hate to bring it up, but it's like the the day of when you had orphanages, where you had children in orphan, orphanages. Right now, we're set up like that in the animal sheltering system, right? You have animals coming in every day, and you have limited capacity in a building. And if animals don't, as many don't go out that same day as come in, the result is some of those animals may have to lose their life. But there's a, such a simple answer, and it's all around us. It's our homes. All we need to do is put those animals and have them foster temporarily in someone else's home until they can can get adopted. So if you really look at it, we're we're probably, you know, euthanizing less than a million animals in this country. And if we could put all of those million animals into foster homes to just be temporarily cared for, we could eliminate euthanasia today. And so if you look at the number of households, there's over 80 million pet owning households. We just need 2% more of those to just foster an animal temporarily, just one a year. It, it's so simple that we can do this. And yet we have to ask ourselves, why are we not? We need to, to flip the system and the community. We want the community to come together. It's about the community saving lives. When you make that shift, that's how people, that's how organizations will become life-saving. But it requires the community to step in and help. And so how does... Petco Love encourage people to get involved in pet fostering? Is it convincing the pet parents or is it more convincing the shelters and your partners in that way? I know you just mentioned the community. That's kind of everyone. Um, so so what is Petco Love's approach to encourage fostering? Yeah, sure. I mean, we work with both sort of both sides of it, right? So we'll work, we really want to get the message out more than anything to the community. On the flip side, we'll also with shelters to encourage them to make the processes simple for people is that they can. So, I mean, if someone comes in and they want to foster kittens and you have kittens, figure out how to give them the kittens and figure out how to really provide good customer service and help them when they have questions. Um, we've also created a resource on our own Petco Love um, our website, right? So we have a website that we have a page specifically dedicated to fostering to answer the questions that people are thinking about, like, well, you know, what does that mean? What, what is involved when I foster? And one of the, uh, one of my favorite resources is a video that we did. It was actually during COVID because a lot of people were trying to step in during COVID to foster pets. And we talked to fosters around the country and we asked them to tell other people who are thinking about fostering you know, what would they tell them? What are the tips? What are the, what's the advice that they would give them? Um, and, you know, my favorite is most people will say they don't foster because, oh my goodness, they can't, they can't give them, they'll never be able to give them up. And I think people underestimate the joy of finding a new home for that pet. You're just caring for it temporarily. You've saved its life. You know, you will make friends across uh, your your whole community because you'll become friends with all the new homes and all the new pet parents where you've adopted your pet. So I still have people. I've been fostering for years myself. Once, once I, you know, before I even started 
running a shelter. I probably over fostered over 500 animals myself. I have people from 15 years ago will still email me and tell me about their pet and they still thank me. You make the best friends for fostering. You build a community. I, it's just a wonderful experience. I don't think people should underestimate the, the joy that you're going to get. And think of all the things that t- if you have kids, it teaches them compassion. It teaches them responsibility, um, way more benefits than there are work. Sure, there's you got to clean up some poop along the way and you got to do some house training or maybe you have to walk a dog. But most people could use a little bit more exercise. So walking a dog is a good thing. I just think there's just so many benefits to it across the board. Um and plus, you know, we could we could eliminate euthanasia, which is the biggest benefit of all. Um, yeah, so. that's amazing. And one million households like across the country, that's like nothing. It's nothing. It's yeah. nothing, right? Yeah. Nothing. So that's very compelling. I, I I am kind of like foster curious. My neighbor across the street, she's fostered uh, a bunch of different dogs and cats. Um, and sometimes she'll have them for like a week and sometimes it's two months or something. It just kind of varies. Um, but I always look forward to meeting her new foster pups. Uh, and, it, you know, I'm getting like closer and closer to <laughs> doing it myself. I think for me, you know, having two dogs in my own house, household and a busy life. Uh, it's a little bit like, how am I going to fit this in? But you know, it's, I'm already taking care of the two. What's one more and temporarily too. And when you just think one more, maybe it's just two weeks, you know, in some areas it may be just two weeks and, and a lot of organizations will make it work for you too. So I, you know, I think that's, I think just getting more people involved is, is half the battle, but we could really solve this, you know, um, about a, a couple of years ago, we created June as National Foster a Pet Month to bring more awareness to fostering around the country. And, and we worked with our animal welfare partners to get the word out. So at one point, we had these signs where people would put them in their front lawn, ask me about my foster pet. You know, it's really just trying to bring everyone in. It, it, it really it, it becomes infectious and, you know, and it, it just brings joy into people's homes. So. Couldn't be more um, uh, more encouraging uh, to people to get involved in, in that manner. Yeah. Well, it seems like it, it can make a, a huge impact. Um, I mean, Petco loved us so much <laughs> to make such a big impact. It's almost like overwhelming to see how much you're doing. I, I saw that in June, speaking of um, fostering month, in June, Petco Love announced $15 million in grants to hundreds of your animal welfare partners across the U.S. So what does that money um, go to? How do you decide who receives the grants? Um, what is that program like? Yeah, and I think this is where, you know, maybe sort of the financial banking experience comes in play too, right? So, I mean, we, we find organizations on the ground that are saving lives all the time. But it's not about just giving money to any organization. You have to find the organizations that are doing the most, operating the most effectively, and doing the most with their resources. And so that's really what our job is to do, is to get to know our partners. We fund, you know, like 3,000 organizations around the country for different things. Um, But it's really to get, get to know their work and make sure that when we give funds, we know they're going to have a direct life-saving impact. Impact. So we've, we will, it, it all, it often means that we're funding a lot of organizations that are very under resourced. 
Um, and, you know, for us, it doesn't matter how pretty your building is. It just matters how many lives you're saying. In, fa- in fact, there's some orgs that are working with really minimal resources and doing the most they can. We love funding those organizations. It, it does. They could be in West Virginia, on the, you know, South Texas, on the Texas-Mexico border, Louisiana, Mississippi, but it's, for us, it's often where the greatest need is. And, you know, the other thing we offer to organizations all over the country is we work with Petco and we give them a wonderful location to showcase animals for adoption, right? So we offer that space up. We have cat habitats in most of our stores. Um, Some of them even have dog kennels. And then our nonprofits are invited to bring pets every weekend to showcase them and help them get adopted. So, so much to help our shelter partners. And then we do things just to help generally like pet parents also. So, um, yeah, we're just here to try to do as much as we can to save lives. Oh, you're doing a lot. Uh, and another one of your amazing programs, not, to, I don't want to like rush through any of this, but, but there is so much to get to. Um, another one of your amazing programs is the Petco Love Lost, um, resource, um, which is, uh, an online database. And I was, I was pretty shocked to see, uh, that it listed one in three pets goes missing in their life. That seems like an extraordinarily high number. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about, um, the Petco Love Lost database, uh, and how that can help pet parents? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, with everything that we do, we look at how we can make the most, the the most significant life-saving impact. And lost pets is definitely one area because it, for two things, there, first of all, the one in three staff that you just said, I mean, that's, that's like 10 million pets missing every year. And, and then a number of them are going to end up in the shelter too. So almost half of your animals coming into shelters are lost pets. Um, so how do we help that? How do we prevent them from ever getting to the shelter and make sure they just get home directly from, I lost a pet and who found my pet? It's interesting today, you know, I talked about sort of how can we change the sheltering system? This is another one. If you look at when you lose a pet, you are panicked. Your heart just drops and you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do now? Right. And yet, if you look at all the things people tell you to do, you know, find your microchip number, contact them. You're panicked. You're like, you know, where is it? Um, then you're going to, you're supposed to make sure you put up flyers all over the place, then call all the shelters and let them know. Like there's this laundry list of things that people are told to do. And, and we just step back and said, if we just had one place where all the animals, lost and found animals were posted, that national lost and found database, that would be the first thing you did. So if you lost your pet, you post, if I find your pet and I'm just down the road, I post, we can just connect directly at Petco Love Lost and we can communicate within that and then try to meet up to reunite that pet right in the community. We also have worked with shelters around the company the country. So if the pet is now in a shelter, it is actually automatically uploaded in our database. And so we have over 1800 shelter locations that we're uploading pets in all the time. And so we're looking to expand that to make sure we get every shelter. I live in San Antonio. There's like five or six different shelters I would have to check to see if my pet was there. What if I could just go one place? 
Um, not only that, we make it easier because it has facial recognition technology. So if there's so many animals, it's actually going to bring that pet that looks like you're up closer. And if your pet is in there, it's going to bring it up the list. So I'll tell you a story about why we got involved. One of our own Petco employees, she was working during the day, got home, the workers left her gate open and um, her pets were gone. Um, and, you know, we we realized that there was such a need for this. And in fact, that you know, this database helped find her pet as well. So that facial recognition, putting it up, she was directed to the shelter and went to get it right away. So we're really passionate about this. We think this can save a lot of lives. We can, you know, reduce the burden on the shelters and we could reduce the burden on pet parents and what they need to do if we just created one central database. And so, you know, just we just need to get the word out because the more people that use it, the better it's going to be and the more pets that we're going to reunite back with their families. I remember hearing about this facial recognition technology for lost pets like five years ago at some trade show or something. And I'm so happy to see how it's been adopted and innovated and 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 really being used because it just seems like such a no-brainer. Um and I and I also, you know, can see how the lost pets being turned into a shelter is really a drain on their resources because instead of finding forever homes for the pets that they need or special needs pets that are residents there, they're having to spend all this effort uh, talking to people who are frantically looking for their lost pet and, and dealing with all of that. So it's a real drain on their resources too. It is. And often people don't even, there's a lot of people don't even know that you should go to your shelter. And some of those pets then get put in a new home, which is crazy. They already had a home. You don't need to find them a new home. Let's find those pets that need a new home, a new home. So, you know, I always encourage people. It's a great thing to go online, put your pet in there. We even have an area where you could put your microchip number in there right now. So you can be prepared. And then this way you'll have your microchip information it's a great thing to prepare in advance. It's one thing that no one ever thinks about doing in advance. They only think about it when their pet goes lost. But, you know, make it easier. Do it in advance and you just hit a button if your pet goes lost and it'll put it in the database. Yeah. I um earlier this year I did a certification in pet first aid and CPR and I mean, talk about a laundry list of things to do. There was such a long list of all the things you need to know and do. But this seems like a really great thing to include on that list of, I mean, this is like pet first aid kind of, you know, if your pet goes missing, I think just emergency preparedness is maybe what it would all go under. Um, so yeah, that would be great. Absolutely. We think we think one of the areas that this could really help in too is when disasters hit too, because then your shelters may not even be up and running. Um, they may be impacted themselves. And so, you know, preparing in advance and having something where people can communicate to other people that is less reliant on a sheltering system is key to make sure, sure pets home during disasters too, that they're all input. Yeah. Well, Suzanne, it's almost like you're a professional or something because my next question was, <laughs> um, how does Petco love help with disaster relief? Um, you know, it seems like the weather events are getting crazier and crazier and there's the wildfires are 
just running rampant in California right now. Um, and, and lost pets and just people losing their homes is, you know, a, a real problem. So how does Petco Love help, um, help people with disasters like that? Yeah, I, most of the time, like if our preferences, if we can, you know, get involved early on before a disaster hits. So like when a hurricane, you know, when a hurricane is coming um, and we work with our shelter partners most of the time to evacuate the animals that are currently in the shelter, you'd rather get them out before the hurricane hits. Can't always do that. And then sometimes afterwards, it's still trying to get those that are still in the shelter to different areas. So the shelters then can focus on the ones that are in greatest need that have been impacted in their area. And we need to have all the space in the shelters to help them. So that is definitely an area we, um, you know, evacuation before and after um, a disaster. We also work to try to help them reunite pets like we talked. And we also, a lot of times, will just provide them either um, supplies that they need at the time. Um, And then there's times like after Hurricane Harvey, where you had shelters that were destroyed, we're going to provide funds to rebuild. So I think it's really across the spectrum and it really is dependent on each, each, um, each disaster um, and each need of the shelter. But, you know, we're, we're definitely, um, we definitely try to, you know, be there for what they need. Yeah. Uh, Well, you, you clearly have such a passion for what you do. And I can hear in, in how you speak about everything, uh, how passionate you are about all of the, all these different facets of, of the foundation and the work that you do. Uh, and it makes me curious. I know you mentioned earlier, uh, about your dog who, uh, passed away and, and you went looking for two new dogs <laughs> and, and that was a big inspiration, but was there one dog or, or one pet who really inspired your love of animals in the first place? So, you know, the interesting thing is it it probably is my first dog and my first dog was adopted dog. Um, And, you know, it's it's always why I tell people in animal welfare, because animal welfare can be pretty hard on people. Um, And sometimes 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 we can be downright judgy. (laughs) Right. And but I think I I I purchased a dog for um, my my boyfriend at the time and he just couldn't keep it. And that dog ended up to be mine. And I think I just really had never experienced the love of a pet in my life like that. And it was a love like nothing else. And I think people that have pets get it. It really is an unconditional love. Um, And then, and then, like I said, when he passed away to think that there were so many animals in shelter that we're not getting to live their full life with a loving family. Um, and I just, you know, I just thought of him. And I mean, those animals in the shelters are no different than the animal that was in my house that I was giving every ounce of my love to. They were no different. And, you know, just, I think that's really what inspired me to get involved because I really did think I could make a difference and everyone can make a difference you know, whether it's, you're going to dedicate your career to it, whether you're going to volunteer, adopt, like everyone can do something. If you love a pet, you can do something to help another. Do you have an accomplishment so far in your work with animal welfare that you're most proud of? I actually think it is um, my first running of the shelter. It's, it's actually at the time in that shelter, it was a time where people said, 
if you are the animal control shelter, that's the place where all of the animals go in no matter what, that you could never save them all, right? That you just, that's just impossible. This was a while back and, um, and proving that it wasn't impossible and being one of the first organizations to do that, I think is what drives, that's, it was the hardest year of my life. It was the hardest work of my life. And it was the incredibly most, it was the most incredibly rewarding experience of my life. And it's something I'll I'll never forget. Yeah. That just proving the impossible possible is fuel for like the rest of your life. (laughs) Absolutely. And I believe we can do this as a country. I believe we can do this um, as a nation. And there's, there's so many different things that we can do. Um, I know we're going to get there, but I think it does require us to shift the way we're currently doing things just a little bit. Yeah. And and you're, you're right. It's those, um, those small shifts that eventually make a, a big difference. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, Suzanne, thank you so much for, for your time and for sharing so much with us in such a short time. Uh, and if you could tell our listeners today, where can they learn more about the work that Petco Love does? Sure. Um, they can go on our, our website and that's Petco Love dot uh, org. Um, and we, you know, we have information about fostering our pet go love lost is up there. Um, and then other information about things that we do, like our vaccine campaign, if they need help getting vaccine, there's just so much information up there. So I, I would direct them to their Facebook, Instagram, if you just really want uplifting stories all the time, follow us there, because we're going to just share the love around, you know, all the love of pets that happen every day, we're going to share it on our social media too. Um, but I encourage everyone to, you know, help us be create that social network for lost pets and help us create pet go love lost is the one place you go. We, we need everyone's help. And if everyone helps us, we're going to make that the national lost and found database. And that in itself will, will solve a lot of problems. Yeah. So if everyone can share that and, and maybe if you're on next door or something, you know, I think a lot of people post their lost pets on there. Maybe, you know, tell people before their pet gets lost <laughs> about yeah. Petco Love Lost. And if you see a pet lost on next door, tell them to post it on Petco Love Lost too. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Suzanne. Um, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Uh, and thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. What did you like most about this episode? Find me on Instagram at teamistic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog-inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or Join the Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wearwagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.